We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the fifth episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. We've got Brian Schroeder, who uh, you should know from social media as at Cosmos and his Patreon account, which I will uh, link to in the the profile here. But I, I he came on my first podcast at uh, Las Vegas Summer League. We talked for like twenty minutes, more like I talked for a while. But you know, he was just an, he uh, was kind enough to join me, but. It's been a couple of weeks. I kind of have my feet wet in this podcast uh, chicanery, and I wanted to bring him on just because, you know, it's one of these weird times in the summer when there's just absolutely not a lot happening, and it's one of those times where we can really project forward without a lot of consequence. Um, Brian, you're really one of the the first people that I saw uh, probably, I guess, going back three years now talking about Luca uh as far as a draft prospect and so one of the things i wanted to talk to you about it was like what and more likely like when like what were you seeing and like how were you seeing him that that got you on board with luca as such a high value nba prospect like so early in the process uh well i i saw i remember seeing a bunch of stuff um about like him at the uh, AMGT, the Adidas Next Generation Tournament. I remember watching a couple of those games because those are on FIBA and liking him. And then at, at that point, I wasn't really like, really, you know, like, oh, I know who's good. It's more just like, this guy could be good. And then I remember seeing, it would have been 2016, 
early 2016. Somebody, I think it was somebody from Draft Express was going crazy about him. So I started looking into him more. And then, you know, it kind of becomes like a, a somebody know, knows somebody is good and it kind of spreads. Mm-hmm. So that came on. But by the time he started playing the season before he got drafted, but at that point, everyone kind of knew. And it was sort of just watching Luca games was like, you would, you would watch him as often as you could, basically. So, um, what? Okay, so like he you was know. one of those guys who was like a prodigy at like 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Even okay. earlier. I think he signed when he was like 14. Right, right. But I mean, so, but some of these guys signed particularly early due to their physical skills or whatever, but mm-hmm. he was much watched TV as far as, you know, or I mean, I, I guess much watched streaming just mainly due to kind of his skill set. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was probably the most talented player at that age that's ever played basketball or at least ever played European basketball. Okay. Well, I guess I didn't entirely understand that even though I hooked in on him early. Well, so as I latched on to him mainly because of you and some of the other people who I follow, I was really in on him in terms of, you know, his playmaking, which he got to show a little bit of his rookie season. But what really surprised me, and I think arguably propelled him to the rookie of the year title, was his uh, was his ability to score. So what, what was that something that that you all, in, in terms of like the draft apparatus, could have predicted, or or was was that just a thing that we didn't entirely you know see coming? Um. Well, no, his touch it was pretty obvious, at least by the time he started playing that last year, that he had like absolute like peak 100 100th percentile outlier touch it was more just a question of like is he strong enough to immediately score against NBA players and i think i think even by the, the way before he was drafted i think we all kind of knew that uh the real question was is he still a good pull-up shooter because he really kind of fell off that was it was you know it was pretty um pretty commonly covered that he sort of second half of his last year in europe he kind of just stopped hitting threes because he just I think he just got one out. He, you know, he was fat. He was out of shape. So he just kind of flattened out. And I think pretty much everybody I knew accepted if he hits threes at an average rate, he's going to be a good score, at least a good score. Well, so that actually like leads into some questions though, because his his rookie year he kind of shot the ball like crap. I mean, he yeah. shot below thirty three percent. I don't think he's ever going to be, but like, if he can even be an average shooter, like. If he can hit shots at all, if he can make people play him, because if he can make people think he's a good shooter, the, the Nikola Miritich corollary, like, if you hit enough shots that people see, they'll think you're a good shooter and they'll cover you. Because, you know, uh, as strong as he is and as great as he is with his touch, if, if people played him like Giannis, he would never score, you know. Uh, okay, you know what? I guess that does make some sense. Well, and that it that's that's arguably why they really need to to do a better job surrounding him with shooters, just yeah. because I think it is so like towards the latter half of the year, teams really started playing up on him, and that was when his his efficiency just absolutely plummeted. Well, yeah, I mean, he's never he was never going to be one who lacked for confidence. But imagine if he just didn't shoot threes, he would never score. He wouldn't be an NBA, I don't think. Yeah, and he, I, he I didn't I, shoot. I want to say I was looking. I was looking at his game log before we started, and I feel like his three-point percentage actually kind of fell off. Oh, geez, whoops, sorry. I felt like his uh, NBA uh, uh, three-point percentage really fell off a cliff as the year went around, just because he he 
he was playing with worse players, uh, you know, particularly after the Porzingis trade. Yeah. He's playing with Tim Hardaway So Jr. what sort of things <laughs> – who somehow managed to shoot seven threes a game, that's something that, that I'm going to be laughing about for years. I mean, that's um, what he does. So what sort of things – what what sort of things do you think Luca really needs to to improve upon as he heads into his sophomore year? Well, the shooting consistency, but I mean, it looks like he's it's just his conditioning, you know, his just being able to handle a, you know, maybe not a hardness scoring role, but that I mean, that's part of the reason James Harden. We all kept assuming he's going to eventually just stop scoring, but the guy just is like a super athlete, like he just is super conditioned and strong. So that, and you know, just kind of tweaking, maybe maybe getting a little better at a live, what's called live ball passing, which is um, not just like passing on the move off, but not like it's passing without switching your, your hand. It's the thing LeBron's good at. We can mm-hmm. just throw the ball, and that that you can get better at that by uh, working out on your wrists and, and getting like just getting stronger in your wrists. Um. That's the thing Cade Cunningham is like super elite at. He can just he doesn't have to that extra split second without having to palm the ball or pick it up or turn it. You just kind of throw the pass out. That's a good thing to have if you're going to be a tall guy who gets in the lane who isn't particularly fast. Um, and then you know just like trying not to be a terrible defender, trying to under have get better, get better at at anticipating stuff is I think what I mean. That makes some sense. Well, well, uh, in terms of the offensive stuff. I I've I've watched enough of his passing to think that he could be a lot better about his placement of the ball on those passes because it's one thing to be able to have the vision to hit that corner three or uh, you know coming off like the high screen and roll and doing kind of the LeBron whip around pass where you see things despite guys you know uh, uh being in the way but one thing that he seemed to kind of be rough at at least in certain spots was this placement of where the pass was received because there's just enough of those kind of corner three turnovers where guys either catch mm-hmm. the ball a little too high. I mean, is that something that, that guys can actually improve upon or is that really like an inherent skill? I think you can improve on. I think most, I think most skills can be improved upon, honestly. Like it, I don't know. That's kind of a tough one. It's kind of a case by case thing. You kind of have to just hope. Somebody is it playing with the same it. guys, like like in terms of like maybe, building a little bit of a coherence? Maybe more the thing? same system. Maybe more the same system. Okay. Well, so that actually, that my my last question about about uh, Luca really plays into to whether or not you know what sort of ceiling does he have? Because right now it seems you know, like the the consensus from people who watched him casually is that this might kind of be where he is, which is you know not a bad ceiling certainly. I mean the guy shot. 20 but like where does he where do you think he could go even if if he does get in better shape and he seems to be in better shape so what where do you think like he could go this season uh in terms of numbers oh this season i i don't want to predict numbers because they don't always sure not always um i think well i think vaguely maybe the guy who should have made the also team but didn't mm-hmm like, because I don't think he's going to make the All-Star team this early. It's just too, like, it's the Western Conference. So you don't make the yeah. All-Star team. This no, it's not it's an indictment. Well, what about what about career-wise? Like, where where do you think he could actually go? Because I know some people really think, I think he, he could, could win be MVP. an MVP. You I think really he could do? win MVP in an off year. Yeah. 
if he ends up being like a 28, 29 point like score, like he could be like Brandon Roy was like a third level MVP guy, maybe second level MVP guy. And he's just, a t- he's taller. Like he's just a taller, stronger Brandon Roy to me. Yeah. Um, That's actually a really yeah, interesting it, comp. If he gets to the point where he's full-time point guard, he probably, like, I just think at the very least, like all NBA caliber guy, which means you could win MVP. That's what that means. Cause like Lillard could have won MVP in like 2007, like, you know, if he was, if you could take him exactly how he is now and put him in that league, he would win it. Probably win it. He'd be close. It's just the pace is different now, so you know. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, I mean, it's like, like I really want to believe that that he could project higher, but then I keep looking at his numbers and I see the fact that he was, you know, essentially top ten in the league in free throw attempts. Yeah. And you know, I, I know, like, like. Are. Free throw, and well, his free throw makes is really going to push his points per game up because he shot so poorly. But I'm wondering, like, where else he can improve, and like, it feels, you know, that like the the 25, eight, and seven kind of line just seems so ridiculous when you write it down. But it's not that far out of the realm. I mean, is that kind of crazy to think about? Well, he's going to be a uh, he's going to be a five and five guy for sure the rest of his career. So that's more mm-hmm. just. Getting, it depends on the team. Depends on the, the team that plays around him and and what Carlisle does, how long Carlisle's there, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like the rebounding is going to be big this year, just because like, yeah, I feel he's the Mavs' best rebounder, which Probably. is not a great. It's not really a great thing, but it is going to be good for his numbers. Well, speaking of of you know who he's playing with, I want to talk about his his uh, his wingman and 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 Kristaps Porzingis, and he's a guy who I've not seen a lot of i've watched some tape but i really kind of want to go in fresh and watch him you know playing as as the second you know the second guy in the pick and roll so what do you think his kind of best use is in the system that dallas runs like what are you expecting from him uh not what the knicks are doing with him which was give him the ball and let him do dribble moves from 20 feet out he should be he should be high three-point attempts high dunks like uh like he should, he should basically never have the ball for more than like two or three seconds. He should be the play finisher. Play finisher, okay? Because yeah, yeah, I know. Like his assists are hilariously low. Like the guy doesn't seem to pass. He's he, he's a he's a black hole in terms of shot attempts. So is that kind of out the window? Yeah, I I just don't think, especially coming off of his injury. I just sure. don't think you want to give him. I don't Much think you want to give him. Uh, just to, and I also don't think he's good at it. I don't think he's good at. Uh, sorry, I don't think he's very good at. He's just not a lead scorer. I don't think that's what he is. He should be like. Who am I thinking of? Honestly, he could just be like super Claver. <laughs> well, it's not a like, bad comp because if you're just shooting threes and dunking the ball, you're doing things in an offense that results in other open, sh- you know, like everybody yeah. else being wide open because he's. Like you know, the reason he's nicknamed the unicorn is obviously because of the combination of the height and the skill set, and we just haven't seen it in in an NBA sense past December, just because his his proclivity for injuries. So I'm I'm uh, if he's if he's healthy at all, like if he's even playing average basketball in January, I think the Mavericks are going to be pretty fierce, just because he's gonna has he's gonna have helped open up the offense in a really big way. Yeah. In a way that, say, Dwight Powell can't. 
No, and, and you know, Powell's really kind of an interesting comp because they're probably going to be playing together, but I think there's going to be so much open space with everybody playing because, you know, Powell can't shoot, but he's willing to shoot. You know, he, he's yeah. he's not, you know, he shoots such a horrendous three-point percentage, but that doesn't seem to have stopped him after however many attempts. So I'm going to be kind of interested to see how the two of them play together. Well, you know, so those are kind of the two main Mavericks prospects. Like, is is there anybody yeah. else that you really think is worth talking about long term? I mean, what, Jalen Brunson. You know, Maxi Kleba is is twenty seven. I, I know, love I love Kleba. He's not a prospect though. He's he's an NBA player, and that's just what he's going to be. Um, yeah, I want to see if Jalen Brunson could beat up more point guards. I just want to watch him do it. To punch point guards in the chest as you're trying to drive by him because he's abs- so absurdly strong. Um, I mean, I don't, people are going to be talking about Dorian Finney-Smith turning the corner for the next five years. He's fine. He's, a, he's fine, but he's not really a guy that you're going to like build around. Yeah. I don't really know who else they're kind of, they're kind of strapped for guys. Um, like they've got, they've got the nucleus they want. I just don't know who their other, like who is the third best player on that team. If it's not Jalen Brunson, that's kind mm-hmm. of a tough one, thing to answer. <laughs> Yeah. So, what do you feel about uh, uh, about God? What what is wrong with me right now? What do we feel about their 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 lone main free agency uh, acquisition uh, from from the Grizzlies? Um, what's wrong with me? I'm just I'm too tired. We're recording at almost midnight, so I'm 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 losing my mind. What do we feel about Delon? Oh, Delon. Yeah, I almost forgot of... about Delon. Yeah, Delon. I mean, but Delon is also almost 28, so he's um. He's kind of the insurance guy, I feel like, for if Brunson doesn't come along and like Courtney Lee can't play. They got Seth Curry back too. But these guys are all these guys are not guys who are gonna be here in five years, I don't feel like. No, that's, that's... but with the way teams are built now, you're mostly building for like a three year window. And and yeah. I, I'm I'm concerned about them in that window because I don't necessarily think there's there's the, there's what you're talking about. But in terms of the argument has to be for the Mavericks that the, the sum is greater than the parts. And, and I'm not sure yeah. that's going to be enough for like 44 wins, but like I can, I can at least see a path. Is that being too optimistic? No, no. Yeah. Well, okay. Well guys, we're going to be right back. I, I, uh, I've been talking with, with, uh, Brian Schroeder here, uh, my, my very old friend from uh, Twitter. And we've been talking about, uh, the Dallas Mavericks and their prospects, but up next, we're going to be talking about 2020 draft prospects and beyond. So we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, guys, I am back with Cosmos, better known as Brian Schroeder, or really the other way around. Uh, we're talking all sorts of, uh, of basketball topics tonight. It's the middle of summer. There's not a ton to talk about basketball-wise, but you know, I really wanted to do a deep look ahead. So, so this far out, you know, you've been really kind of starting to dive into draft prospects in the, uh, in, in the, you know, the coming 2020 draft. 
So I think it's really safe to assume that the Mavericks might be drafting, you know, I mean, they're probably going to be drafting in the 10 to 20 range unless they miss the playoffs and win the lottery. But like, what kind of guys do you think the fans should be really kind of looking out for this far out and, and really why? Uh, problem is is that this is a point guard draft um so like not only are i was like i think six of my top ten are guards but then also like of all the freshmen who could be one and done guys i'd, probably, I'd say probably like 15 of 25 are guards um now some of those guys are taller guards who could maybe play the same kind of role the line rights playing but um i think the problem is that they kind of need other bigs and they also need tall wings so maybe a guy mm-hmm. like romeo like romeo weems from depaul could be a, a high riser terrence shannon texas tech these are guys who are like not right now i don't think they're projected to go anywhere but they're both like six 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 seven strong guys who hit threes and block shots um so maybe those kind of guys or maybe think of other like malcolm Casalon from france is like a rangy wing type guy um the other problem is that most of the any any good wings in this draft, like Danny Avdia is going to go pretty highly, I imagine, and uh, Anthony Edwards is probably going to be top three. I'm at least <laughs> this is what it looks like now. Um, so it's kind of a tough one. Like they're kind of in a bad spot. Maybe Isaac Okoro from Auburn, if he is as good as I think. Josh Green, going to Arizona, uh, Australian guy. He's like a good. He'd just be like a good three and D guy. But it's kind of a tough one. Because unless unless some of these other freshmen, Preston Chua will probably go higher than that. He's like a, I think he's like a big anyway. Unless one of these returning guys really busts out, they might just be better off just taking the best player, who would probably be a guard at that point. Mm-hmm. If it's like that's, I want to say like let's say like thirteen, it'd probably be like Brian Antoine or someone, BJ Carton, one of these like you know, uh, freshman guards, Jameis Ramsey, also from Texas Tech. Maybe Isaiah Joe, if he's there, you just take him because he's uh, the best shooter in college basketball from Arkansas who just uh, – he hit – God, he took like – I want to say – I had to look it up. Per 40, he took like 15 threes a game, and he shot like 46%. That's wild. Some, well, abs- some absurd number. Let me look it up right now. That's probably too high. Um, yeah, his three-point rate was uh, 76.3. So he took 76.3% of his shots from behind the arc, and he hit 40, almost 42% of them as a freshman. He's 6'5". Uh, well, he's listed at 160, but I think he's gained some weight. I think he's like 185 now, so he's like uh, a two-guard. So that actually – so the weight and kind of – the weight. He's gained a lot. He, he looked a lot more muscular. Out. Yeah. Well, so so – who needs a point guard in this draft? Like a point guard draft, I can't really think of any points that are. So, but but I mean, is there is there like a demand for point Next. guards in the draft, really, or am I just full of it? I mean, more than there is for centers. Most, I mean, uh, that's what's weird about this draft is it's gonna it's just gonna be most of them are best. Uh, most of them are are like good guards, so it's right. just I don't know. It depends on what kind of teams they're picking. Well, that's that's actually pretty interesting. So, I, I also wanted you to 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 give you a little bit of a platform of, of about the guys that we've talked about offline. So, like, who are your like ignoring team, ignoring position? Who are your favorite draft prospects? Like Tyrese Halliburton. Like Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> so is is he at Iowa State? Is that right? Or is yes. it Iowa? 
He's my Are, uh, Iowa State. Iowa State. Okay, so so why is he like your favorite guy this year? He's my I, kind of like my kind, just the player I like the most. He doesn't take shots. He doesn't need to. He only shoots threes. He averages lots of assists, lots of steals, and lots of blocks. And uh, he weighs like 120 pounds. <laughs> he looks like Otto Porter. He looks he looks and plays like Otto Porter, but he's a guard, so he's I love him. He's my favorite. My favorite college basketball player. Where should he go? Like, like if we were to hold the draft tomorrow, where does he go? Like, what tomorrow? Number? Probably mid first, but probably late first, maybe like twenty third, twenty fourth. But I think by the time, because he didn't shoot, he basically didn't shoot free throws, and he shot. Oh God, I want to say he he barely took shots in the paint. He he rounded a lot, where he just didn't take those shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would I would say by the end of next year, I would say mid like fifteen sixteen. Okay, that's actually so that's going to be in the Mavericks range if things go right for them. That's really interesting. Um, how is he as a shooter? He's a very good shooter. He has a weird jump shot. He looks like Reggie Miller, but he's but, uh, but yeah, he's he a lot of threes. Okay. Yeah. What? Okay, so you mentioned Cade Cunningham earlier. He is not in this year's draft. Not as of right now. No. Ah. Okay. So this is going to be a guy that we're going to be talking about for, you know probably almost two years in terms of somebody who is going to be a real draft hype kind of guy. That's, and that's the 2021, you know, Mavs fans, they aren't going to have a draft pick due to the Chris Tapps Porzingis trade. So that's, we should ignore all Cade Cunningham hype from me. Um, So in terms of draft prospects, you know, you study a lot of, of film. You just look at what guys do in specific Mm -hmm. situations. What are, what are the traits that are really, I guess it's the combination of traits that you are biased towards as you're, you know, uh, scouting guys and really, you know, assessing what their NBA future might be. Do you mean stats or traits? Cause it's a different, I would say, I would say traits because I think that like, I think, and, and please tell me if I'm wrong. I feel <laughs> that, you know, sometimes size and, you know, guard play is kind of overrated in terms of impact on the league just because the range of outcomes for smaller guards, like I say, a Dennis Smith, is just going to be limited due to yeah. size. Well, there's a, there's a common adage. You don't, take, you don't take a guy who's 6'2 or shorter if he's not a full-time point guard because where are you going to play him? Um, yeah, I say, uh, I mean, that's good. I, wingspan is important. I'm going to say... Probably physical strength, which is weird that my favorite player is like Reedy, but he could add he could add size. But I think physical strength is the one thing every star in the NBA currently has. Like they're above average strength. Even like DeMar DeRozan is much stronger than most guys at his position. Uh, the only guy who really isn't is probably Steph, and even then he's become a lot stronger than he was because Clay's pretty strong. Maybe not Durant. Durant's balance for his size is, I think, what sets him apart. But, you know, LeBron's obviously a superhuman. Even, like, Jokic. Jokic is mm-hmm. absurdly strong. He just pushes everyone out of the paint. Uh, I mean, any Giannis is – I mean, what turned him into the MVP was when he gained, like, 35 pounds of muscle. And now <laughs> he's just killing people. 
Okay, that's an actually because that was um, the the strength of 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 Luca. Not to not to circle it back to him too much, but that was sort of a thing that I felt was really underappreciated until part of the way through his rookie year. I've mentioned this before, but there was this one post up play against the uh, the Nuggets when he was he was posting up Millsap and mm-hmm. did a little shimmy and and basically you know it wasn't a stiff arm, but it was enough of a body bump to freeze. Paul Millsap and then Millsap jumped and he just kind of drifted to the left and uh, on the post up and you know just kind of shot around him and Mm -hmm. that was almost entirely I mean obviously it's because of his ball fake skills and things like that but he wasn't able to freeze yoke or he wasn't able to freeze Millsap for any other reason other than the fact that he was exceptionally strong on the post up and I that that actually is is really an interesting skill to to focus on as the league starts to spread out in terms of how people play. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you have more space winning. You need to win individual matchups. Uh, Kawhi. That's one of the reasons he has such a good playoff run is that no, that maybe, maybe Jimmy Butler, but aside from Jimmy Butler, I don't think there was a single wing player who guarded him who could consistently not just get pushed around by him. He just pushed it. So you're, you mean pushed a, pushed around not a, like on off of off of movement without the ball, but also like movement with the ball because when you're yeah, dribbling, with, if you can just kind of hold a guy at bay, that's re- okay. That's actually something I never really thought about before, which makes probably, a lot do, of sense. Even even the occasional post up, just like if you yeah, if you're cutting around off ball, Reddick gets it by just running really fast. But a lot of guys, mm-hmm. if you watch them cut, they just push through people. Like Clay Thompson's good at that. Um, you can tell he's strong because he uh, he um, when he gets set sometimes he doesn't have to actually get his feet planted he likes does the slits when he shoots which yeah I mean that requires a lot of balance and strength which yeah actually. a lot of core strength to just kind of fling the ball up um, mm-hmm. yeah I feel like strength is one reaction time obviously you can tell watching enough tape if somebody gets lucky or if they're actually able to read plays that's an important one well, so let um, let me. Uh, oh, a good, a good one is a good one is um stride length or like it's actually one of the it's amazing that Zion is able to be as good as he was when he runs like he has a choppy little lineman steps. Whereas you look at LeBron run, LeBron covers like fifteen feet every time he takes a stride, and uh, <laughs> if you're able to adjust that, like when you get into when you get into space or when you get into traffic. Do you still just try and take these big loping steps when you just commit a bunch of offensive fouls? Or can you, like, footwork? Can you sure. get your feet around people and stuff? Shea Alexander is the best guy recently at that. He runs like a – I mean, his mom was a, a, an Olympian. He runs like a track star, and then he's able to, like, burst through one step. It's really – the way he moves his feet around people is really impressive to watch. That's I've actually something watching... he needs to get better at, too. In the open court or in just in just traffic generally. Okay. Yeah. That'll be something to watch for this year. Cause I know he's talked about dropping weight. He won't comment on how much it is, but he definitely looks thinner. And mm-hmm. one of the things I've seen in, in terms of watching old film, you know, we've been really going through a Dirk, Dirk Nowitzki Renaissance, just watching, you know, his tape from basically 1999 to 2003. Uh, and, you know, he, he kind of started to decline athletically after 2006, but mm-hmm. there's just not as much tape of that anymore. But the way he used to run was really incredible because he was just, you know, his, his, his stride length, like he, he 
you know, he looked like Durant does now when he would take the ball up the floor. It just didn't happen very often. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of one of those things that you look back on. Um, So one of the things I wanted to really finish on in terms of prospect related things was at what point should we just give up on, on, you know, sleeps and improvement with players? Because I kind of, you know, after listening to you and, and talking to other prospects, you know, guys who are focused on prospects, I feel like like 19 to 23 seems to be the big age when you can look for kind of, you know, large leaps in both, you know, skill and strength and that sort of thing. And guys can obviously improve shooting later in career. But, you know, I, I get frustrated listening to, oh, this guy's finally learned how to shoot a three. It's like, oh, well, we got 500 attempts at this point. I don't think he's going to yeah. learn, you know, where, where know. it depends on what kind of threes. How old is Andrew Wiggins? That's where you should give up. <laughs> okay, so is it like a minute for you? Is it like a minutes played? Is it a shots yeah. thing, or is it kind of like all the all those things put together? Yeah, I think it's a case by case thing. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I I am trying to be positive. Well, I'm sure listeners to this podcast would say, you know, Kirk, you're not trying to be positive about Mavs shooters, but like I don't know what to do about a guy like Dwight Powell who shot 20% for 40 games and then shot 40% for 40 games. And like those sorts of things, you know, just really feel like outliers to me. Is that crazy? Or, you know, like, like Mm. what what should you look at? Like when guys spike, you know, in terms of production. Yeah, it's always, uh, it's kind of a tough one. I'm not entirely, I can't say that we know people know for sure. Um, it's I guess you just have to watch them and then see how comfortable they are and see what it like what it looks like. I don't know. I mean Jamal McGuire made the all star team once, so it's kinda hard to <laughs> I think it's kinda hard I, to predict I this stuff. That makes sense. Well, okay. I wanted to end with you because, you know, part of why I wanted to get you on this podcast today was, and, you know, tomorrow football season starts, but also 2K comes out and you are a Mm -hmm. big 2K player going out forever. So like, I wanted to give you an opportunity to opine a little bit on the things you love about 2K, but also like, what are you expecting to see improvement wise from uh, Uh, nothing? This one, (laughs) nothing, (laughs) nothing. Yeah, I think I'm. I at this point, I really just get 2K to do the my league stuff. I, I really feel like they're they're kind of uh, they're kind of. I think they're just kind of out. Like I think they've they've they passed the event horizon for ever being good again. They're just sort of making the same game so they can trick dumb people into giving them into buying a bunch of uh, contracts for my team. So it, it's it's really kind of depressing. But I still like. I don't know. They also do make some improvements with the gameplay. It's it's. They're, for the last five years or so, they started focusing more on getting celebrities to be in their stupid story mode and like forgetting to make the game work. And that's not fun. But the, we did have those few years where they really started getting all the legend teams. That was great. That was when it really, like 2K11, 2K12, 2K13. That was when things, when they had the Olympic team on that one year, that was fun. And they, it seems like they just kind of stopped doing that. They. I mean, it, part of it is I think they're not a very big company, Visual Concepts, so I think they're just trying desperately to turn a profit to justify their own existence and not – they don't have time to really focus on making the game as good as they can. But I'm still going to make a bunch of draft prospects on it and do a bunch of uh, – if if the thing works anymore, if the jersey creator thing even works anymore. It kind of was really wonky last year. So, I mean, I'm going to play it. 
I'm not sure how much I'm going to enjoy it this time. What sort of things do you get in and tinker with in terms of like the settings? Um, well, they do, uh, to their credit, for my league, which is like the uh, default GM mode, there's the other one that gives you like a story, my GM. But my league is just like the normal franchise one. Uh, you can actually tweak with, there's some, there's, there's some cool stuff they added. You can tweak with um, how quickly certain attributes progress for new players. So guys don't guys don't because there's always a problem with NBA, with NBA games. Either you get a bunch of guys who are like 90 overalls in their second years, or they're like they stay like 72 overall for their entire careers, and you just don't get new stars. So you can kind of adjust that stuff. You can adjust uh, now. You can adjust what the NBA value, like what market values are. So you can give it like you can set it so if guys don't get drafted. They'll all they'll they'll demand like eighteen million dollars a year as undrafted free agents if you want, <laughs> or you can make it that everyone, you you can you can set it so contenders value first round picks less, and t- teams that are tanking value them more, uh like exact money values I'm saying like how much money like how much salary is this worth to you, um you can set, like like I said progression rates you can set injury rates you can set there's another one I'm thinking of I can't remember what it is. There's there's a bunch of sliders now you can tinker with that's pretty that are pretty fun. So like I could set it to where Dallas would get owned by free agency just like real life. Basically, uh, teams sometimes <laughs> sometimes the game will every year there's one star player who the game just decides is going to go a random place every time, which is how one year when Chris Paul was a free agent he ended up on the Cavs with Kyrie for some reason. <laughs> Um, and then, and then this year it was, it was Durant would go, I, I probably did it 20 times. And I think he went to 15 different teams. He went to the Nets once and wow. I was like, that won't happen. <laughs> uh, he went, he went to the Pacers before he went to the Mavs before he went to the Clippers before he went to, I think he went to the Wizards. He went to, he went everywhere. So the you just had do, no idea what to make of him. How many simulations do you end up doing? If you were to well, just guess, uh, it depends on, I'll do. I would say at least half the ones I do, I'll just get sim through the season really quick to do a draft to see what it looks like. And I won't do anything else with it and I'll delete it. But I probably do like 10 or 12 a year, at least. Okay. That's not as many as I would have thought. No, because cause some, some of them, some of them I'm considering, and they have it so you can, they, they do have, they do have the start today setting. So if it's in like, if you're doing it in like early March, you can just start from the day. It's actually more fun when you can start with the NBA as it exists at that point and like mm-hmm. do the playoffs and do the draft. Cause it's a much more realistic. You don't have to go through the entire season again. And you know, the NBA doesn't know you'll end up with like teams that, I mean, I had to do that before one year when the nuggets weren't in the playoffs and the game thought they were going to win like 59 games. And I was like, what, what's going on? Um, yeah, it, it is, a uh, you know, 2K is 2K. It is what it is. I also like doing team ups, playing with other people, and just uh, a fun one to do with our mutual friend Tom. We'll do a thing where we put it on rookie, and we'll do a thing where you each control one position on a team, so you can put in whoever you want. And we'll you'll take like a random historical team and like let's score 75 points with Peja or something like that. Mm-hmm. Let's just destroy. We used to do it when they had Euroleague teams because the Euroleague teams didn't make substitutions, so they would all get tired. <laughs> so we would like we would bring in like I don't know. Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't that good. He'd bring in Spencer Dinwiddie, be like, all right, time for Spencer Dinwiddie to get a, t- a triple double. 
against the EuroLeague, stuff like that. How, how um, long does it take you to do? How long does it take you to create some of the the incoming guys that you've been talking about? Like if you're oh, to create Terry Halliburton, what do you do? Uh, Twenty minutes. Really? Yeah, I, I put in. I mean, putting all their stuff in is pretty rote for me at this point. Now I'll edit these guys over the course of the year. Like I'll add in tendencies and I'll add in. I'll figure out how to do their jump shot, or I'll look up somebody who else has done that because other people are better at it. Um. There's a bunch of people who do extremely accurate face faces, which is impressive because the facial thing on 2K is not very good. Like not like the not like the um what is it the scan thing? I'm talking about like just mm-hmm. putting in just putting in the values for like nose width or whatever. Oh that yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. People can do extremely accurate ones, and I'll, I'll use their faces sometimes. So sometimes I'll make ones of my own. I did a Jackson Hayes that actually looked pretty good last year. I'm getting better at it. Um, that takes more time than anything else than like doing the. Because I won't do, uh, I usually just do like their attributes. I'll do multiples of five. So like, because I don't, because I don't really feel like you can really delineate that stuff yet. And then it'll grow out interesting ways from that. But um, yeah, they they've also made it. It's much easier to um. It's much much easier now to. It used to be if like say it's May, and some guy goes back to school and he's not in a draft anymore, and I have to like take him out. Uh, it used to be I had to write down all his stats and then make <laughs> remake him in a different one. Now you can just export them, which is much, much easier. Oh, that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah, okay. that, that saved me. I, I did a lot more with it last year than I did because I could just export guys and it took like five minutes instead of recreating everyone every time. Okay, so, so you wouldn't have that, to remember everything. You just like export. So I actually, yeah, I actually had an extra file just full of guys that I had exported and I wasn't sure where I was going to put them. And it would take like, you just have to import them into wherever I was putting them. It was very easy. Okay. But that was, that was the best thing they've done for the way I play in like a decade. But otherwise the game is falling apart. It's becoming a gambling, <laughs> it's becoming a gambling simulator now. That's really interesting. I, cause I know everybody just really loves it. I, I gave up on it a while ago cause I would get ticked off at my player and I would, you know, have some awesome. So I don't, I don't play my player. Everything. I don't play my player. I still play it a little bit, but I don't put that much time into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did for I, a while play my park, which is where you take your my player and you do games of twenty one with people. And uh, I did have a run where me and two other people won. Like, even though we were all like, well, eighty threes and eighty fours, and one guy was a ninety five, we beat a bunch of ninety nine overall guys like six matches in a row. That was great because they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> they were guys who very obviously bought a bunch of packs because all their guys had like crazy tattoos and all this crazy aesthetic stuff <laughs> and we were just like running pick and rolls and winning it was that was fun but that was really the only time i played my player and he's it all seriously in the last like six games yeah i just i gave up because i got frustrated at some of the gameplay mechanics but i should i should probably dip back in with how much i play games so <laughs> well I really appreciate you coming on, uh, you know, kind of in the dead of things, you know, things uh, that, you know, season uh, training camp and such starts up in about three weeks. And if I'm able to have you on, you know, probably closer to mid season, once the, uh, the, the Mavericks, you know, kind of, we can get a sense for where things are going, you know, it might be more fun to talk, you know, potential prospects down the road, but I'm glad you're on 
I know, right, right. I know right now you're just kind of guessing, but, you know, things start to, opinions formulate, you know, really you can see where guys fit and how things like that go. So if we have the opportunity, I'd like to have you back on to talk more about this. I'm glad you could, you know, jump on now. You know, we're all kind of starved for for content. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I saw three aggregated pieces about Luca talking about how he lost some weight, which it's like, yep. okay, yeah, we, we need, we need to actually have basketball again. I, I don't want to see a, a piece about Dorian Finney Smith, how he might be the hidden guy. And it's like, all right, all right, guys, we we've been here before. So again, this is Brian uh, Shorter. I will post, you know, all his stuff uh, on the link. You guys better follow him on, on uh, Twitter and on his uh, Patreon. So thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs>